The following program was produced by an independent community producer. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of the ECAT staff or board of directors. Giving a voice to the voiceless, pulling stories out of the shadows and putting them under the spotlight, making sure that each person is valued and cared for. This is Humanity First with Peter Evers, presented by BAMZ. Hi, everybody. My name is Peter Evers, and welcome to another edition of Humanity First. We've got a great episode lined up today. Um, it's the 4th of Jul July weekend coming up, and we are going to have a very special uh, guest today, Brigadier General uh, Jack Hammond, uh, who many people probably have heard of because uh, the Brigadier General is a um, combat decorated um, a veteran, uh, but latterly has been the lead in the uh, home-based National Center for Excellence for Mental Health and Brain Injury. This is an incredibly important program that exists because of the generosity of the Boston Red Sox and uh, Mass General Hospital, which I think now is Mass Brigham. Um, and really, the program concentrates on the invisible wombs of war, as you could hear there in terms of the mental health stresses uh, and the brain injury stresses of those uh, heroes, uh, our veterans um, of all wars who are coming back to this country after serving uh, the United States of America. And we're going to talk a little bit about the program. We're going to talk a little bit about the recognition of and some of the treatments that we have for individuals, but also for families who are struggling with that. So really looking forward to that. Um, but before that, um, I was uh, contemplating uh, July 4th the other day, uh, and I have uh, been a, um, a a citizen of this country for many years, but I was actually born in England. And I was reminded of that the other day when somebody said, um, do you have July 4th in England? And uh, I didn't quite know how to answer that because we do have July 4th in England. But of course, we don't celebrate independence because that independence was uh, well fought and won uh, against the um, against the English empire, if you like, uh, by the colonies. And it got to me thinking a little bit about how uh, important that independence was for this country and how successful it's been. I had a friend who I worked with back in the 1990s who was second generation Italian, um, and his parents did not allow him to learn Italian at the time. My reaction to that was, well, that's very sad because, you know, you're, you're, the language of home is so important to people. And I got to talking to him about it. And he said, well, the thing is that America, being such a young country, really needed to take what was basically a federalist beginning uh, of, of, of the states and make a country, which is very difficult to do. Most countries in Europe, anyway, have, been, have had the, um, the joy, I suppose, of, of developing nationhood over hundreds and hundreds of years, not so with this country. And the idea of bringing now 50 states together uh, and ensuring that America became the strongest economy in the world and pretty much the only superpower was really based on this idea of creating an America that Americans felt a part of. Um, and when you look from outside, you, you wonder sometimes about that. But actually, having lived here for 30 years, I really feel that that is the most successful thing about this country is the ability for people from all over the world 
uh, people of all different races, all different languages, countries come together and feel a sense of being American, which is probably different from any other country in the world. So as we celebrate the 4th of July um, and we're you know, going to our parties and we're um, spending time with our families, uh, it probably is, I would say, the most important holiday for America and one which I think the rest of the world looks on with some amount of envy because of the happiness uh, and the solidarity that it really reflects. Um, so we'll be back in a minute and we'll have that conversation with Brigadier General. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm an essential worker here at BAMSI and I'm a nurse. Nurses are essential here at BMZ because as nurses, we really have the opportunity to make an impact. We have very small ratios, so we have the opportunity to really learn everything about the person served and be able to give the best care. It really serves such a great purpose for me as being a nurse and really why I came into nursing. Learn more about nursing opportunities at BMZjobs.org. You know, most people, when they drive down the road and they see a car on the shoulder of the road, they don't think about it. But for us veterans, we drive down the road, we see that car. It takes you back to Fallujah. For example, me, it takes me back to the car that hit my truck and exploded and killed my Marines. When our veterans come home, their journeys are just beginning for the next chapter of their life. And for many of those veterans, they're facing greater battles than they've ever faced on the battlefield. The challenge we've seen with the invisible wounds is that because you can't see that physical injury, it's often mistaken as being hurt, not injured. And you try and suck it up and keep on moving on. You're not just hurt, you're injured. And you need clinical care to receive uh, the proper treatment so that you can get better. They've been exposed to lots of trauma in multiple different ways. That trauma could be physical, that trauma could be emotional. And so thinking about a complete warrior and all of their issues allows us to really have a unique approach to how to treat people. Homebase is a national nonprofit dedicated to healing the invisible wounds of war for service members, veterans, and their families. The two-week intensive clinical program is a uniquely designed experience for service members and veterans. Patients at COM are getting nearly a year's worth of care in the two weeks that they're here at our clinic in Boston. We also offer a big emphasis on wellness. Service members will experience things like art, yoga, tai chi, fitness, nutrition, these whole body experiences that pair just as much with mental health and allows them to develop some skills and new routines that they can also carry home with them in that area. One of the things that makes home base kind of a special place is the fact that we have a veteran outreach team of 15 veterans that are on the team. We have veterans from all five services. They know they're talking to someone that's going to tell them exactly what's going to happen when they get here and they can trust that person. A lot of us have had that combat deployment experience. A lot of us have struggled with our own mental health. For us, it's, it's a passion. It's not just a, another job. And we're going to be with you every step of the way to make sure that you get to graduation and beyond. Homebase thinks about a veteran and the family members and the supports that they have and we make sure that we are paying attention to that, that we're providing our support to those family members right alongside that veteran. 
We truly believe that we need to reach every veteran of every service, no matter where they are. Those communities include communities of color, our Native American veteran communities, and very rural communities in which veterans just have very little access to the care that they need. At Homebase, we have a program for families of the fallen, where people who have loved ones that have died by suicide in the military are able to come and connect with each other and move through recovery, through grief, through trauma. At the request of the Special Operations Community, we created an intensive four-day program for comprehensive brain health and treatment, very specific to the injury sustained by our special operators. You're getting some of the best care that can be offered anywhere in the world. And we do all of that at no cost. It is never too late to get help. We serve veterans of all eras and of all discharge statuses. We have people who are dealing with 40, 50 years of trauma, some of whom have never even had the opportunity to seek mental health care. As someone who has not only led troops in combat, but also required uh, the clinical assistance for post-traumatic stress uh, back when I was younger. Don't remain silent and try and live with those injuries. Get the care you need and you'll be far more ready to perform your mission. The outcomes we've had for veterans and special forces members have been extraordinary. We believe that people who stick to the program and the vast majority can do it, who are part of it and engage, really can transform their lives. We're here with you every step of the way. Uh, and we're here to connect you with the resources you need beyond home base to make sure for the rest of your life you're connected to some type of care. And this is the care that you have earned through your service. This is the care that will help you reclaim your life. Giving a voice to the voiceless, pulling stories out of the shadows and putting them under the spotlight, making sure that each person is valued and cared for. This is Humanity First with Peter Evers, presented by BAMZ. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is Peter Evers for um, Humanity First. And for the second part of our show, we are honored to have with us Brigadier General Jack Hammond, who is a uh, multi-decorated um, combat vet uh, and uh, has led many, many um, initiatives in both Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, and latterly um, has been the lead in the home base program, the home base program, uh, otherwise known as the home base National Center for Excellence for Mental Health and Brain Injuries. Um, I will say welcome, uh, Brigadier General. It is great to have you on the show. And thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for the invitation today. We're talking today about something that probably is one of the most important topics uh, in, in our country. Um, we owe a great debt of gratitude to uh, our veterans, to our veterans of foreign wars, to all veterans everywhere. Uh, it is uh, a, an enormous sacrifice uh, to decide that you're going to um, uh, support your country, defend your country. Uh, and I believe that a country is should be judged by the way that it treats its veterans. And I'm you know, glad to say that this country has a great tradition of doing that over the years. Um, but home base is a very particular uh, program. And it's interesting, my father 
my grandfather, beg your pardon, fought in the First World War. There aren't many uh, people who could say that now, but he was actually a member of the British Expeditionary Force that that was in the trenches at Ypres. Uh, and I had the benefit of interviewing him when he was a kid before he died. And he told me about those experiences fighting the Germans for over a year uh, and coming home with what he called uh, at the time, shell shock. Uh, it took him many, many years to get over that. He um, self-medicated um, with alcohol and struggled mightily with relationships over his life. Uh, in that time, um, he became an advocate as well for what should be done. Uh, this was, of course, in Britain for for returning troops. And home base is unique, isn't it? Because it really does look at those invisible wombs of war, which I think we've ignored for so many years. And and of course, we're talking about uh, uh, mental health and substance use disorder. Um, Brigadier General, maybe you could speak by saying how this happened. How did this alliance come about between the Boston Red Sox and uh, Mass General? Yeah, so that's a great story. And, and um, I'm sure um your conversations with your grandfather were very impactful for you. Um, when you really put it into perspective, um, number one, they, they really didn't diagnose this as an injury until the mid-1980s. So when your grandfather went through this, it was everything from battle fatigue to shell shock to soldier's heart. They had all these different euphemisms for it. Um, everybody, everybody could see what was going on, but nobody knew what to do. Uh, nobody, it didn't really have a, a clinical diagnosis. Uh, so if you can't define it, that <laughs> you really can't treat it. And a million and one ways to kind of get after it, that most of which were counterproductive in many ways. Um, and so that's pretty remarkable. You got to have those conversations because uh, as we all know, the World War I um, seems to be a fixture in history today, you know, more than a hundred years old. So almost ancient history. Um, but when you when you think about World War One and World War Two, um, eighty million people died during those two wars, which is just a stunning number. Um, here in here in the U.S., um, you know, I think in World War Two we lost about five hundred thousand people. In the U.K., did far worse uh, in both world wars, and, and and you lost back to back two generations of young men on top of all the civilians that were killed with bombings, et cetera, but back-to-back -back successive generations of young men and family lineages were wiped out mm -hmm. um, because they lost all, you know, adult, you know, families lost all their children and their families ceased to exist after that. Mm -hmm. um, and it, anyway, there was all sorts of things associated with it, but the trauma that, that was passed on um, was kind of, they, they, it was kind of hidden. Um, and and that, that lends to the invisible part of the wound. Nobody can see it. Nobody else can feel it. They just see a, an odd behavior. And, and back then, odd behaviors weren't good. Um, and, and frankly, if you kept moving on, moving on, moving on throughout history, even as uh, more most recent as Operation Desert Storm in 1990, still not a lot on that. Um, and as we entered the war in 2001, 2002, 2003 in Iraq and Afghanistan, when it came to post-traumatic stress disorder, um, there wasn't a lot of buy-in on that. And, you know, somebody to tell you they weren't feeling it um, while you're overseas after a particularly rough mission, you know, the kind of response was none of us are. You know, get, just get to it, get back to it. Um, 
And, and so, you, you know, if you don't know anything, you don't do anything and you can't respond to it. Same with traumatic brain injury, which is one of the other invisible wounds. As long as people have been, you know, traumatized with horrendous warfare, and as long as people have been hit in the head with clubs, hammers, axes, um, and then with the advent of gunpowder being blown up, people have been getting concussions. Um, but nobody's been drawing the correlation to the long-term injury and impact of any of these injuries until this war. And, and that's kind of uh, what, what, what started to set the stage for this. Uh, interestingly enough, the, the birth of home base did not rest with Mass General Hospital. It rests with the Boston Red Sox. Um, and in an interesting twist of fate, um, when we broke our 86-year curse, um, when the Red Sox won that first World Series, one of the first things they did was they coordinated a trip to Walter Reed Army Medical Center uh, to meet our wounded. And they did that after the um, postseason visit to the White House for championship team. And obviously a pretty big deal. Huge. Um, and, and so they met with the troops. They signed some autographs. They took pictures with the trophies. And then the following uh, season when the when, when they the opener in the ring ceremony at Fenway Park they flew up some of the veterans from Walter Reed to participate in it because they made a connection and that really started the chain of events flash forward 2007 another World Series victory we didn't have to wait 86 years everybody's mm -hmm. happy <laughs> um, they go to the White House um, in the in, in 2008 in the spring of 2008 um, as they normally do and this time, they, they, you know, it wasn't even a question. They were going to Walter Reed. And so they did. And they, they loaded everybody up. They went over to Walter Reed. Um, the one-hour visit ended up lasting five hours. Um, pretty remarkable stuff. And it was the height of the surge in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, we had the most catastrophically injured young men and women there that were blown up, hurt, injured in many, many ways. Uh, and, and the Red Sox got very interested in that, and they were very um, concerned um, because they, they were starting to build relationships with people. And and seeing, you know, a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-old kids with amputations, et cetera, is a pretty jarring experience for anyone. Yeah. Um, several of the owners of the Red Sox had parents that fought in World War II, uh, Tom Warner in particular. Yep. His father uh, was working with the um, OSS, um, which was the precursor to the CIA and some of our uh, Army Intelligence, Air Force Intelligence back then. And Tom's dad worked on the uh, Normandy invasion uh, through that process and continued in that during the war. And I think I think he was affected by the war. And, and Tom was kindly putting two and two together as he talked to these young men and women on how it affected him. Um, and when he returned from that trip, uh, he, he, he connected with the president of Mass General, Dr. Peter Slavin, uh, and had a very good conversation. Tom told him what the concerns were. He shared the insight from the folks at Walter Reed that said, you know, on the physical side of the injuries, we're doing pretty good, but on the invisible side, we're not doing so great. And the VA is not doing so great. Um, so if there's anything you can do to help, that'd be wonderful. And um, Peter, as the president of Mass General, had the number one department of psychiatry in America, um, largest and best, uh, Harvard-based. And we also have the Spalding Rehab Institute, um, hospital rehab hospital and Spalding is always number one, two or three in the nation as the best rehab hospital. Uh, and they take care of the traumatic brain injury aspect of the care. Uh, and through a series of conversations, um, Peter met with his trustees, 
They told him it would be the worst business decision they ever made, but the right thing to do. And they unanimously voted to move forward. And that's where the, the uh, program was born. Humble Beginnings, uh, a small clinic uh, in downtown Boston that treated Metro Boston, Eastern Massachusetts, and as far as anyone was willing to drive to come into Boston for an appointment. Um, and then we moved on and grew and grew from there. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that really strikes me as impressive, um, I'm I'm a clinician myself, an independent social worker, and, you know, one of the things that is most difficult with people who have served is this traditional thought of anything brain-related is sort of suck it up, you know, don't talk about it. This is a sign of weakness. You won't be considered for um, another tour or something like that this sort of tradition of independence this tradition of being able to manage those things and that when i was learning about this is 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 the secret ingredient of of the of the work of clinicians who work with uh with veterans with mm -hmm. trauma um and that seems to be something that um when you train at home base and when you offer those services you really pay a great deal of attention to how do you break those barriers of people who have been taught for years and years and years not to talk about something which is destroying them? Well, as you know, um, PTS is an injury of avoidance. Um, and a lot of times people will talk about the fact that their grandfathers, uncles, fathers, brothers, mothers um, never spoke about the war and never really talked about it. And what I try and share with people now is the reality of that comment. Why would they? What perspective would you have on that environment that they lived in? And frankly, all too often, you know, me included, um, we've made the mistake and let down our guard a little bit and, and kind of opened up a little bit about what went on overseas um, with some friends. And it's usually after you've had a couple of beers and, yeah. you know, you're talking and someone will just ask you, and, you know, you sh we have a little bit of a gallows humor about some of it. It's a little dark and, uh, you know, you'll share some bad experiences very quickly. Um, and then you realize everybody in the room stopped talking and their mouths are still open, you know, looking in disbelief. And you realize you've overshared yeah. um, because they really don't have a perspective to kind of um, have that conversation. And so that's really one of the reasons it, it, it's not talked about who would want to relive the worst experience of their life. If that case, you know, happened to be it. And there's a lot of wonderful experiences you have over there where you, people do amazing things and rise to the occasion. Uh, and you try and focus on those when it comes to the bad ones, when you've lost friends or you've seen some horrible things, why, you know, it, nobody really likes to talk about car accidents <laughs> or, or train wrecks when they were involved and there was mayhem. Uh, and so it's just not something you want to talk about. Um, and so the challenge we face um, and, and the clinical side of this is um, we've ingrained into our warriors um, that you have to keep going. Um, you know, there, there is, you, you know, and, and so there's a there's a clear delineation when you get hurt. And we ask people, are you hurt or are you injured? And if you're hurt, you need to suck it up. Yeah. And you need to move on because you need to continue with the mission. If you don't, you're going to place others at risk or somebody else will have to go out tomorrow and do your job for you and they may get hurt. Um, and that's on you then. Um, but if you're injured, that's different. You require medical attention and we call in a medevac. If you're hurt, you just soldier on. Yeah. And, and so the, the problem is because it isn't a physical injury, 
they believe they should be able to soldier on because we've had so many people that were blown up with roadside bombs that didn't make it or were catastrophically injured and lost limbs. If you got hit with a roadside bomb and walked away, you high-fived. Um, you know, you're still in one piece. You survived, you know, something pretty dreadful. Um, and so when they returned home, you know, and, and, you know, there are all these stories of these amazing warriors that are double, triple amputees that have, you know, we're trying to help them and we're trying to get them the care they need. They don't want to try and take any resources from those guys. They, they want to, you know, they're, they're just so grateful that they came home with all their pieces and parts that um, they're just happy about that. And they, you know, they want to put it behind them. Um, and so we have to kind of have a, a re-education that in, in, in some cases you can bounce back pretty quick. And, and your mind and your body are fairly resilient. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, based on your circumstances, and there's about a million factors that contribute to this. Did you have childhood trauma? Is this trauma upon trauma upon trauma? Um, did you have generational trauma? And there's certain cultures that have already been traumatized before they even went into the military. Um, and then when you came home, did you come home to a happy, loving family and a whole network of care and support? Or did you come back and you were on your own and you were kind of left to your own devices? And so there's so many different variables. But at the end of the day, if you've been home for three to six months and you're not 100% back to you, then you need clinical help. And at this point, you know, it went from being what you thought was a sprained ankle to probably a fractured ankle. You know, if it's a sprain, you stay off it, you ice it, you slowly come back. And then, you know, in a short period of time, you should be back to yourself. If you fracture it, it stays fractured. You know, until you get it corrected and it requires a medical clinical intervention. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where we kind of come in uh, to work with folks. And over the past decade, one of our um, most important tasks has been help has been uh, to help destigmatize the care uh, and, and really bring it back to what it is. It's just another injury that you received on the battlefield. Um, PTS, post-traumatic stress, is just... Uh, the, the body's normal reaction to being placed in an abnormal situation. You, you're not supposed to be put into a position where you're getting shot at every day or people are trying to kill you every day in a range of ways. And if you do that for a year where every night when you go to sleep, there's a pretty good chance your base is going to get shelled. And then it's just a matter of luck. It hits you. It doesn't hit you. There's nothing you can really do to defend against it or, you're on a base and the insider threat from the Iraqi army or the Afghan army that's serving with you, one of them turns on you and shoots you in the mess hall or mm -hmm. blow, detonates a, a suicide vest. Mm -hmm. And so you have this, this, no matter whether you are on base, off base, this sense of hypervigilance uh, that, that is just permeates every aspect of your life for a year. Um, it's tough to bring that back down. And then if, if you did sustain some trauma, or you did ex sustain a concussive event or injury from an explosion or a collision, um, you might have a little more care required. Um, because again, if it doesn't all pop back together relatively quickly, then it requires an intervention. You know what I love about that is this sort of normalization in a very abnormal situation of what to expect for an individual. And I think there's real parallels with um, the civilian world around that. I mean, I think a lot of people who struggle with people PTS and depression uh, in society don't speak up about it because they think, well, I should be able to deal with this and other people have it worse than I do. But the idea as you're talking to me is that is so great is you're saying, listen, 
this is a very normal experience for you to have. It's not that you're abnormal in any way. And by the way, the interventions that we have um, are more successful than most medical interventions. And, and I think that, you know, when you think about that, that individual who might not see any hope, who may be just absolutely lost, begins to see a pathway to recovery. And I would imagine that that is really the basis of the treatment that you're that you're providing for people. Well, the, the absence of hope leads to the epidemic of suicide. Mm. And since September 11th, 2001, we have lost 150,000 veterans to suicide. So if that's not an epidemic, I'm not sure what is. Um, we still lose arguably 20 to 40 every single day of the week. Um, and to put it in perspective, during seven, uh, 20 years of war, we lost 7,070 men and women to combat. Uh, from that same cohort group of 3 million uh, warriors that the U.S. sent to Afghanistan and Iraq, um, we've lost 30,000 to suicide. Yeah. Almost five times the number of folks died by suicide than died in the actual you know, ground combat. Um, and so with that in mind, we know, number one, it is a very complex injury. Um, it, there is an epidemic of it. It's not, we don't have a solution, a, a very well-placed solution. Uh, and so what that really did was provide us with an opportunity to reimagine what is needed and implement new and innovative solutions, which is frankly what we did. Uh, and we have a game changing. Um, uh, and so first and foremost, the, the number one challenge uh, we have in delivering care for folks with PTSD in particular is the fact that most clinicians don't have the clinical training for this specific injury. As you know, as a clinician, um, if you are a social worker, if you are a psychologist, if you are a psychiatrist, you are able to treat any mental health disorder. Unlike other areas of medicine where, you know, you go through all these certifications and trainings so that you can become a cardiologist, so that you can become a cancer, um, uh, you know, uh, provider. Um, and even within that, there's subspecialty and subspecialty that you're you're a colon cancer, you're a you know this type of cancer. So even after that 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 specialty, then there are sub subspecialties that go people go see. Right. Um, the the reason that most folks don't get trained is it's extremely expensive um, for a provider to get certified. Uh, so it costs roughly ten thousand dollars to get certified in trauma therapy, um, and then there's no way to be reimbursed for that. And, and so, and there's no incentive because once you're certified, you don't get paid any more than if you don't. And, and so often, too often, our clinical providers are a jack of all trades, treating everything almost like a, just a straight general practitioner, which in many cases is fine. But when you have those complex injuries, and I would argue that it's an, it falls into the complex injury like cancer, when 150,000 people die from it, it goes into the complex realm. And, and if you don't have the training and tools to deal with a complex injury, sometimes you do more harm than good because the, the, the veteran doesn't know any of that. Yeah. They assume that if they go see a mental health provider, they are well qualified to treat this injury, no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and they're doing their best. There's no slight on those folks. They're doing the best they can um, in an in a area of medicine that doesn't get reimbursed well. And doesn't get a lot of attention and support and resources. And, and so what happens is 
these men and women leave therapy no better and then they feel like they're untreatable and that's when they start to lose hope because more often than not we've had so many people come to the program that said i've already tried therapy a couple times it doesn't work on me yeah. and it's not that that didn't work and it's not really a reflection on the person that delivered the care they didn't have the tools in the tool bag they didn't, you know, they didn't have that advanced training on how to deal with that, this very, very complex injury um, that is so sorted. And, I, and I'll give you a case, like an example of one that's just horrific that we deal with is the surviving family members of suicide. Mm-hmm. We've had spouses who've witnessed the, a, 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 you know, a, a gun inflicted suicide, you know, gun to the chin of their husband at the kitchen table in mm-hmm. front of the family. I don't know how it could be any more horrific. Yeah. And so there's anger on her part mm-hmm. there is um sadness mm-hmm. there's grief and, and you know i'm i'm I, i'm so furious that you did that in front of the kids mm-hmm. i hate you for that mm-hmm. and then you're the person i married and i love most in the world I, i'm grieving you mm-hmm. um you chose death over me and the kids i'm back to mad again mm-hmm. and, and it's such a tangled mess of stuff they need somebody with advanced training to sort all of that out. Um, And and so what we've been able to do at home base is leverage the faculty of Harvard Medical School, Massachusetts General Hospital, Spalding Rehab, the Massachusetts Eye and Ear Institute, um, and other elements of the Mass General Brigham system uh, to bring to bear some of the best resources in the world to this problem under one roof. And our our first uh, really game-changing transformation other than making sure that all the care is provided is evidence-based care delivered by certified providers, right? So that's step one is have people that are fully qualified to deal with these complex injuries. We've done that since the inception. Um, We created a 14-day clinical program um, that compresses roughly two years of therapy into two weeks. And, and for those who aren't familiar with mental health and trying to get into everything and get too complicated, I would say most people have done physical therapy for shoulder, knee, or elbow. It's not too indifferent than mental health care. You go see a provider. You get your therapy once a week. In this case, the physical therapy, they twist your arm, work on your shoulder, et cetera, for about an hour. And then they give you homework, just like you do as a provider. And they come back in a week. And then they come in and they lie about the fact that they did it all (laughs) because nobody does it all physical therapy and mental health therapy. And then you work with them some more and then they come back in another week and over 10 or 12 week period, you start making some pretty good head ground headway and you move forward on the physical therapy side. Imagine if you will, if you went to Gillette stadium, you got a hotel room at Patriot place and you worked with the New England Patriots sports medicine team from eight in the morning to eight at night doing massage therapy, stretching therapy, cryogenic therapy, dep- uh, the, the, the uh, dark tank water, um, you know, everything in the world, eight hours a day for 14 days. Would they get better faster than once a week for 14 weeks for an hour? Mm-hmm. That's what we've done. We've marshaled all of the best resources we could in this two week period. And so they will get a year's worth of group therapy, roughly 50 sessions. They'll get the individual, uh, a full uh, compilation of prolonged exposure therapy, which is about 12 sessions, individual sessions. They'll get a full six-week mind-body medicine 
program uh, de uh, developed by the Benson Henry Institute for Mind and Body Medicine at Mass General, who've been running programs related to cardiac care and cancer care in support of the therapies in place uh, for more than 25 years. And so that's another supportive piece. We'll do art therapy, music therapy. Um, and then to top it all off, um, there's a cohort group of 12 people that be, that meet, are together, and go through this whole process for 14 days together. And they now become an active peer support group that they have at their disposal for the rest of their lives. Wow. Um, wow. So fairly remarkable. Uh, are the folks that go through this go from being uh, having a significantly high level of PTSD to just above a diagnosable level in two weeks. Uh, there's still more work to be done, uh, but they go from basically non-functioning to functioning in two weeks. And then we work a long-term strategy with them and we work a lot of skills building while they're there so that when these these triggering events approach them, they know how to respond to them in a healthy way and move past them. Uh, the best description I got from one of the providers was for a lot of these men and women, it's like you're at the ocean with high waves and you turn your back to the ocean. And every now and then one of those big waves just wipes you out, right? Because you didn't see it coming. Yeah. But when we train them and work with them and, and give them the education, now they're facing the waves. And when they see that big wave coming, they dig in, bend their knees and lean into it and they're fine. Okay. You know what I mean? Because they're prepared for it. Yeah. And, and so with those skills, they know that anniversary that triggered them is coming. Yeah. Um, and they may go for an extra session uh, with their clinician to just to help them a little bit more, prepare them yeah. or after it to just kind of recover from it. Yeah. But they know it's coming and they know they know the science behind what's happening to them. There's nothing broken about them. Uh, they've been injured. And, but it's just like if you have a bad knee or hip, every now and then it flares up. You just got to go back and, you know, get a little more treatment. And then, OK, I'm good again. Yeah, I mean, this it's truly revolutionary if you think about it. It is applying so many well-known principles in medicine to uh, to the idea of the brain and, and diseases of the brain. Um, it is life-changing, um, and so many of our um, of our those who serve and our veterans need this uh, treatment. Brigadier General, we're running out of time, but. Um, just in terms of the future, I mean, do you see home base expanding? I know you're in Florida at the moment, right, and with a program in Florida. But are there are there sports teams? Are there hospitals around the country who are going to be taking on this? Because you know those who served are everywhere. Yes, that's a great question. So, so one of the things we do now, uh, we've grown over the past 13 years. Um, we have national programs like our two week program. Um, we've seen veterans from all 50 states and 13 countries, and we fly them in at no cost. Wow. Um, so we see the most injured veterans, two cohort groups every two weeks. So 24 veterans every two weeks from around the country are flown to Boston for this highest level of care. Um, we created a specialized program at the request of SEAL Team 6 uh, several years ago for traumatic brain injury and polytrauma. Um through that program, we now see the most injured special operations team members, Navy SEALs, Green Berets, Rangers, et cetera. Um, we took that 14-day program, modified it slightly to treat the families of our fallen. And this subgroup is the surviving family members of suicide. We have outpatient programs address all address all the mental health issues related uh, to uh, military service that include substance abuse, um, uh, depression, anxiety, 
for military kids, military families, and veterans and actively serving members. Um, and more recently, what we've been doing, um, in addition to seeing, so we have this great opportunity to treat the most injured people, no matter where they live in the world, we fly them in. So that's, we cover that. We're, that's the national center. But part of what we do now is we also identify areas with limited access to care and we build clinical capacity. And so we've done that here in Massachusetts. Um, we've trained well, we've trained over 75,000 clinicians over the past 13 years in some levels of care. Yeah. Uh, about five years ago, we started uh, offering free certification training in trauma therapy for people that treat veterans. I did um, that. You did? So you, you're familiar? When I was at Boston Medical, yeah. And so now what we started, about five years ago, we started working in Southwest Florida near JetBlue Park where the Red Sox have spring training. Uh, we had a lot of work going on down there and we weren't giving back to that community. Um, and so as things developed, we built a wellness-based program down in Southwest Florida. Um, and from that, we had a lot of young men and women that then connected and came to the two-week program. At one point, we had 170 folks from the five-county region of Southwest Florida that had been to our two-week program. And when we returned them home, there was no one to hand off to for long-term maintenance care. They were two and a half hours north to Tampa to the VA and two and a half hours south to Miami. They were in a they were in a wasteland of veteran medical care. We partnered with a local hospital system, uh, Lee Memorial Health System. Uh, they had a brand new behavioral health clinic. Uh, we took five of their clinicians, brought them up to Boston, trained them here at Mass General Home Base, certified them in trauma therapy, and then purchased portions of their salary, probably one day a week, that they could deliver care to veterans at no cost. So we created a, a delivery program with evidence-based providers. Um, within six months, one county over in uh, Naples, Florida, uh, the David Lawrence Center reached out and said, hey, we heard what you did at, in Lee, Lee County. Can you do that with us? Five more people brought them up to funding mechanisms, found a way to pay their salaries. So now in this five-county region, we have two clinics that we support, uh, we fund, and we train people. And they have a solution to deliver care for veterans at no cost. Um, very quickly on those heels, uh, Tampa General Hospital down in Tampa, uh, former Mass General alumni who was the CEO, he reached out, said, I'd love to get this wellness-based program off the ground. And then since then, he's looking at mental health and potentially brain injury. Um, in the midst of all that, the governor of Arizona heard what we were doing in Massachusetts and in Florida, and he said, can you come help us? Wow. Uh, we follow the same scalable protocol where we identify communities in partnership with the local government, in partnership with philanthropic supporters and veteran service groups. Uh, and so in the next year, uh, we'll be opening a clinical program in, in, in collaboration with the Honor Healthcare System in Phoenix, where we're going to have another clinic where we just buy portions of their time, train their clinicians um, and deliver care at no cost. We're building a program on um, Arizona State University, similar to the one we have at Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, where we, we, we have um, wellness-based training, fitness, nutrition, healthy lifestyle, mind-body medicine uh, out of there. And then the most intriguing thing is we, through this work, we found out about the Native tribes and some of the challenges they have. Native Americans represent the highest number of um, veterans per capita than any ethnicity in America. Uh, Navajo Nation in particular, where we're working with right now, four out of 10 homes, no running water, no electricity. Mm -hmm. um, three community hospitals to care for the entire region, which is the size of New England minus Maine. 
it's remarkable. And so we're going to send a first quarter, January 2024-ish, we're going to try and send, we're going to send our first medical team, clinical team down there for a five-day accelerated PTSD program. Wow. I mean, so you answered my question. Scalability is so important. We're running out of time, um, uh, Brigadier General, but if people want to get involved, if people want to give, is there is there a particular way to do that? Yeah. And so I would tell you um, we're 95 percent funded by philanthropy. We call it we're supported by a grateful nation of Americans that want to make sure our warriors get the care they deserve. Uh, The run to home base is a great opportunity. July 22nd, Fenway Park. Um, First of all, you don't have to run. You can just Go on our website and support another runner. Ten, twenty dollars doesn't matter. It all helps. If you want to give more, that's great. Um, but you can bring the kids to the park that morning, seven o'clock in the morning. Be there, July twenty second. Uh, we have an amazing thing. You can support the runners. The Fenway Park is open. It's free. You can come in there, bring the kids. The trophies, mm-hmm. the World Series trophies, are on display. And this year, we're going to probably have five or six Navy SEALs parachute into Fenway Park during that opening ceremony. Wow! That is going to be something to behold. Um, so you get, you know, you're going to see Navy SEALs jumping out of the sky. You're going to see all these amazing people uh, doing all these things. The governor usually comes. The mayor usually comes. Um, the owners of the Red Sox are there. So it's a pretty remarkable day. Um, and, you, you you know, you get to go throughout the park um, and get a few you normally don't and see what this is all about. Um, but I would urge you, you know, to go to homebase.org. That's the best way to find us um, and find out a little bit about the run if you wish to do that. Um, but there's a donate button and every little bit helps. Um, you know, we that are home here, we have hundreds of thousands of folks in harm's way on the borders of the Ukraine right now. Yeah. Uh, we have them still in Syria fighting ISIS. Um, all these things still continue um, and, and they, they need that health care. So thank well, you to all of them in advance for your support. Yeah, absolutely. And there is no more honorable cause, I am sure. Brigadier General Jack Hammond, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Bye-bye, everyone. You know, most people, when they drive down the road and they see a car on the shoulder of the road, they don't think about it. But for us veterans, we drive down the road, we see that car. It takes you back to Fallujah. For example, me, it takes me back to the car that hit my truck and exploded and killed my Marines. When our veterans come home, Their journeys are just beginning for the next chapter of their life. And for many of those veterans, they're facing greater battles than they've ever faced on the battlefield. The challenge we've seen with the invisible wounds is that because you can't see that physical injury, it's often mistaken as being hurt, not injured. And you try and suck it up and keep on moving on. You're not just hurt, you're injured, and you need clinical care to receive uh, the proper treatment so that you can get better. They've been exposed to lots of trauma in multiple different ways. That trauma could be physical, that trauma could be emotional. And so thinking about a complete warrior and all of their issues allows us to really have a unique approach to how to treat people. Homebase is a national nonprofit dedicated to healing the invisible wounds of war for service members, veterans, and their families. The two-week intensive clinical program is a uniquely designed experience for service members and veterans. Patients at COM are getting nearly a year's worth of care in the two weeks that they're here at our clinic in Boston. We also offer a big emphasis on wellness. Service members will experience 
things like art, yoga, tai chi, fitness, nutrition, these whole body experiences that pair just as much with mental health and allows them to develop some skills and new routines that they can also carry home with them in that area. One of the things that makes Homebase kind of a special place is the fact that we have a veteran outreach team of 15 veterans that are on the team. We have veterans from all five services. They know they're talking to someone that's going to tell them exactly what's going to happen when they get here and they can trust that person. A lot of us have had that combat deployment experience. A lot of us have struggled with our own mental health. For us, it's, it's a passion. It's not just a, another job. And we're going to be with you every step of the way to make sure that you get to graduation and beyond. Homebase thinks about a veteran and the family members and the supports that they have. And we make sure that we are paying attention to that, that we're providing our support to those family members right alongside that veteran. We truly believe that we need to reach every veteran of every service, no matter where they are. Those communities include communities of color, our Native American veteran communities, and very rural communities in which veterans just have very little access to the care that they need. At Homebase, we have a program for families of the fallen, where people who have loved ones that have died by suicide in the military are able to come and connect with each other and move through recovery, through grief, through trauma. At the request of the special operations community, we created an intensive four-day program for comprehensive brain health and treatment, very specific to the injury sustained by our special operators. You're getting some of the best care that can be offered anywhere in the world. And we do all of that at no cost. It is never too late to get help. We serve veterans of all eras and of all discharge statuses. We have people who are dealing with 40, 50 years of trauma, some of whom have never even had the opportunity to seek mental health care. As someone who has not only led troops in combat, but also required uh, the clinical assistance for post-traumatic stress uh, back when I was younger. Don't remain silent and try and live with those injuries. Get the care you need and you'll be far more ready to perform your mission. The outcomes we've had for veterans and special forces members have been extraordinary. We believe that people who stick to the program and the vast majority can do it, who are part of it and engage, really can transform their lives. We're here with you every step of the way. Uh, and we're here to connect you with the resources you need beyond home base to make sure for the rest of your life you're connected to some type of care. And this is the care that you have earned through your service. This is the care that will help you reclaim your life.